This is the Dave and Shecky Show. We got this groovy podcast for ya. Reviewing crazy tunes or quoting Twain and Sting and Doom. We'll bring ideas to share like bonus points for extra flair. Cause it's the freaking Dave and Shecky Show. Check your show, we're bringing you this groovy review. We might preview movies, bake some bread, or drink some smoothies. So come on, have way too much caffeine. You roll up some rivers, I'll reference some Raffi. This is the Dave and Checky Show. The <sighs> yeah, Lewis of Flatbush uh, fan club can help you. Oh, yes, yes, you can. I would love to buy a poster. Do you have any available? Uh, yeah, we're all out of uh, Sylvester Stallone, though. We only got one with, uh, um, um, what's his name again? Uh-huh. I, you'd think I would know, seeing that I'm answering the phone here. Well, yes, I thought perhaps that this was something that was a well-planned out thing. Henry Winkler, okay, oh, I was just okay. testing you. We've got a nice, uh, Henry Winkler in under, underwear. He's chained up, sort of like a David Lee Roth thing. No, I don't. I'm not interested in that. That that poster didn't fly. The fawns chained up like the DLR. Yes. That guy never was approached to have a photograph taken of him in that that uh, stance, pose, shall I say? Dave told me he got approached by that photographer. What's his name? Helmet. Helmet Lang. He got approached at a pool at like the Beverly Hilton or some Beverly Hills hotel. And so he said, okay. The poster is, I don't know, it's, it's, it's not for men. You would hope so. It's not for straight men. It's not for men unless your favorite film is Cruisin' by Al Pacino. Well, I would, just, I would just think that the photographer perhaps was really into Dave. I don't know. Like he, now, so he agreed to that one, but he wouldn't agree to Andy Warhol. Well, because Andy Warhol charged you. <laughs> That's the trick, kids. That was the trick. Andy He'll Warhol... photograph you, but you got to pay him. It's like the goddamn walk of uh, the Hollywood stars uh, sidewalk. Thing. Walk of fame, yeah. When you look at Andy Warhol photos or paintings, you think, wow. Those are iconic. Those are iconic. But the truth of the matter is, is that he would contact someone he thought was rich and say, hey, I will do your painting for $50,000. And some people would do it. Some people would say, okay, here's my 50 grand. Warhol would get payment. He could keep his, his music thing going. And some people were like, oh, no. And, you know, I get that too. But here it is all these years later, and those paintings actually mean stuff. You know, that Campbell's soup can means something to people. So I don't know. He's no Peter Max. Is Peter Max the sports dude? Peter Max is not the sports dude, man. He wasn't? No, Peter Max was the psychedelic fucking cat from the 60s, man. Peter Max, psychedelia. I see. I'm sorry. I'm all right. you think of the 60s, you think of Peter Max. I don't know why we started talking about this, but... uh, Because you wanted a poster. You don't just get a poster. You got to get a whole lecture. If you don't want Henry Winkler's poster, I can search in back for uh, one of the other cast members. I don't even know who they are. That's what I feel. It's a fan club, basically. It's sliced on fan club. Well, that's fine. Fine, then. Sliced alone. Is that you, Frank? Because I would love to talk uh, to Frank Stallone. That's exactly right. Now you're getting to it. It's 
It's a family affair. Not Mike Sly Stone. Stone's family affair, but Sly Stallone's family affair featuring his brother Frank. I gotta um, say, head of club. I I quit Twitter, I quit Instagram, and the, I do miss Frank Stallone on Instagram. He's a a very personable dude, a down to earth dude, and a dude I'd love to, you know, have dinner with. He's he loves music and uh, he loves his brother. So what's his big hit? Take me back, take it back, bring it. What is it? Oh, he did sing "Take It Back" in Rocky. Take it back, do 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 do. That's take the one. It back. He's got a lot of That's hits the though. That's the one. He's got a lot of hits that you just don't remember, but... That's his stardust. I will say to you... Yeah, bringing it around. No, he's not. I will say to you, are you ready to start this episode? Because I'm going to hang up. I've been on the phone the whole time. Oh, uh, I was trying to surprise you with uh, Sylvester himself, but he's just uh, preoccupied now with a uh, glass table. Uh, That's You know what? I happen to like Sylvester Stallone, and you know what? There are way shittier people out there, so... Hey, no pun intended. Let's move along. I'm hanging up. I'll be right there. Oh, okay. Well, next time you come to Flatbush, I'll be looking for you. All right. I'm back, and I'll never be in Flatbush. What's uh, Flatbush and uh, okay. Brooklyn and... Uh, oh, I just told the joke wrong. Okay. Uh, well, guess guess who's not surprised about that? All right, Flatbush, well... get it? Okay, Dave? Yeah. Huh? Welcome, 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 everyone. Welcome to episode number 89 of the Middle-Aged Cool Kids Super Terrific Podcast featuring your pals... Stacy Keach and James Earl Jones. <laughs> Coming at you in the morning. Um, it's the Stacy Keach, James Earl Jones show. Okay, and which one are you and which one am I? I'm clearly Stacy Keach. All right, then I guess... I am James Earl Jones. We sound so similar. Now, yes. if you want to see one of the strangest films ever, uh-huh. look for one that has James Earl Jones and Stacey Keach from around 1969. What is that? I can't remember the title, but it oh, is out f- to fucking lunch. You're it's, out to fucking lunch. It's totally lunch. out to lunch, bro. When these people are brought to me, Horner, they're in a certified state of catatonia. Unable to feed themselves... They are fed through needles and tubes, eyes that stare without seeing, lips that move without speech, and ears that listen but hear not. They lie very still, Horner, very still indeed, in a vegetable state of catatonia. And I have entered the dream and gradually, gently wakened the dream. Apparently, one of your patients isn't responding quite ideally. Perhaps, perhaps not. I doubt that your opinion is qualified. I think I know sadism when I see it. (laughs) You don't know nothing, baby. Bruh. Bruh. All right. Uh... It's it's insanity. It's I think it takes place in a mental institution. I think we're taking place in a mental institu- institution. Uh, I will say we are a, a week or so late with this one. Mental institution. Mm-hmm. That's what you wanted to say. And so now Dave is all wired up. Yeah, I'm all wired up here. I've just been hanging out and doing a lot of crazy stuff. All right, good for you. Are you ready? Let's. Should we just get into the show? Yeah, let's get into it. Okay. This is very trying times. We got some important business at hand. All right. Everyone gather around and don't forget to take notes. 
To what? And don't forget to take notes. If I, I'm going to be checking your uh, notebook for uh, for uh, cleanliness and, and uh, organization skills. I if your notebook no- isn't organized, you're going to get less of a grade. That's all I I'm saying. I have a notebook, and I, I very well organized, I must say. Yes. Well, you are a very fine student. I'm a fa- I'm a you're astute. I'm a I'm a I'm a fairly organized person. No one ever said he's a very astute student because that would sound st- stupid. It's okay. Stute. Stu stupid here coming at you. So we figured we'd do another music-based episode, which means that it may or may not wind up on YouTube. But um, if it doesn't, you know, do check the YouTube channel because uh, there's a bunch of other stuff. Dave's been doing more reaction videos. At what um, point do I fly off the handle? Call me when I fly off the handle. Dave, you fly off the handle all the time. Who invented that, that terminology? I don't know. Someone who had a handle on things until all of a sudden they didn't. Perhaps that's for another episode. Flying off the handle, ladies and gentlemen. So the other day I was watching a YouTube video, uh, Adam Neely. Hate that guy. I don't know that guy. So Spies I despise that kind of guy. I don't. I don't hate him. I don't have any feelings at all for kind of Adam like Neely. Neely. I don't care. Related to Kevin. I don't. That's Neilin. Exactly. All right. No. How about uh, Kevin Meany? Is he related to him? His name is Adam Neely. Call me when he changes his name to Kevin Meany. Then we can talk about him. Because that guy's an a-hole. Who? Kevin Meany? Evan Evan Neville. Okay. Anyway, he was doing some sort of a half-hour deep dive on the girl from Ipanema. Look, if you ever run into a man named Avram, run. Avram? Avram. Who's Avram? I'm just kidding. Avram? Avram Levinsky? The f- the piano player for Dreamspeak? This is... Wh- I don't know what Dreamspeak is. Come on. Dreamspeak was the band that uh, Dave Graham almost signed, but instead, but Bill Graham said no, so he signed Blues Traveler instead. Oh. Dave Graham wanted to say, sign Dreamspeak. Dreamspeak from Columbia University. Dave Graham, Columbia University. He wanted to sign Dreamspeak. Bill Graham said, I don't see what... There's nothing here. Then he brought him Popper. And he said, now we got something. Well, he was right. They did have something. So... Avram Levinsky, sorry you're not popper. I'm sorry too. I'm sorry. So but I liked your playing. Yeah, he sat in with us a bunch of times. Oh, nice guy. All right. Well, Avram, God bless. Who even knew that was a say. name, though? You know what I'm saying? Apparently, you did. Yes. All right. Uh, so this is the way Dave is when he hasn't sat down in front of a microphone for the podcast for a little while. So. Uh, get used to this. What? What's this? This is you not sticking to the topic. They say Donald Trump Jr. was on cocaine. Who says that? People who are not on cocaine. When was he on cocaine? At the RNC. Man. Oh, stop it! Hey, he's all he's all puppered up, man. Yeah, okay. Puppered. That's who's the, who's the? Can you tell me who they are? They are. They are the people. Uh huh. We the people. They're not we the people. Wake up, we the people. All right. You know what? Let's go. Come on. Boom. Sinatra. Hit it. Stop. You know what? What? I just flew the pooch? You're I just like, gave away the cooch? You're just a dictator. Danny Korchmar? You're like, this is you. I'm going to act zany and crazy I'm until I snap my finger at you, and then you act like well, a normal person. You organize stuff, and I fly off the handle. Okay, but I, I mean, I'm also, you know, middle-aged. Don't and, make me uh, uh, mention cooch. Okay. <sighs> All right. All right, so anyway, I was watching a video about the girl from Ipanema uh, by Adam Neely. He was doing a deep dive. I was going to do a song. It's called The Jap from Iwo Jima. Okay. Okay. Anyway, 
and it was kind of interesting. Uh, he had some facts that uh, I didn't care about, or he talked, you know, music talk that I didn't, it wasn't resonating with me. He had a lovely young lady singing specific notes. Um, he went into the different chords of it being played. It's, it's, it's a deep dive. And, you know, if you're into, into stuff like that, you should check it out. The girl singer was really great. Who I was loved she? her. I, she, she was, I think she was a Brazilian lady. She was great, though. Her voice was, it was, she was just great. Was she the daughter of the original singer? I don't think so, no. She was somebody he found on Instagram. So, um, oh, that's so cool. She was, she was amazing. Check out the video just for her, really. Actually, even somebody I saw on YouTube, if you search it, somebody just took him out of it. Oh, <laughs> just yeah. has like a, a five-minute chunk of her because she's, she's so delightful to listen to. But anyway, throughout the course of this deep dive, he kept on saying that it was, you know, that the girl from Ipanema was like the second most popular song or the second most covered song ever. And I was, it started me thinking, oh, well, that's interesting because I, I didn't know that. I haven't heard that many covers. Of course, I've heard Frank Sinatra. I've heard the uh, Antonio Jabim version. Let me give you the definitive version. Uh-huh. Lou motherfucking rolls. All right. Well, you know what? Maybe we'll take a listen to that. Talk about tall and tan and young and lovely. The girl from Ipanema goes a-walking and a-wind. She passes each one, she passes goes. Uh-huh. Ah, I said when she walks, she's like a samba that swings so cool and sways so gentle that when she passes each one, she passes goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, let me tell you, while you're at it, uh-huh. listen to his version of On Broadway. That's the best version of that song. You Actually, love you know what Anything the fucking Lou Rawls does is the best version. Okay. Well, maybe when we do our Lou Rawls I would love to. episode. Yeah. Okay. Those of you who thought, you know, that one disco song was Lou Rawls. You, you don't know Lou Rawls. Exactly. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know Lou Rawls if that's what you're about. All right. Now, I don't know that anybody is about that song, but that's fine. All right. Let's move along. Yeah, so one, anyway, one in a million you or something. Anyway, I went to allmusic.com. I love that site. I don't think you do, actually. I hate that site. Okay. But allmusic.com is a pretty big database of, of music. Well, it would have to be. I mean, with a title like that. So I plugged in the girl from Ipanema to see if indeed it was the second most covered song. So when you say covered, you mean the second most recorded song? Yes. Right. Not live. Not... it. And, not, not, and it's not the most selling album, like Beat no, It or whatever. No, no. Just, I have this song, and then a gazillion people then went and recorded it as well. On the cheap anima. So, uh, sadly, Adam Neely's uh, was misleading, and that's just not true. While well, it, okay, here I, we go. Can uh, I finish the... the yeah, go ahead, so uh, the girl from Ipanema was covered quite a bit. That's not a lie. 315 times, according to allmusic.com. Maybe it's the most covered, somewhat Brazilian song. Well, that's, that's, this, is, this is not that. The girl from Ipanema 
covered 315 times, which is a lot of times. A lot of times. That girl's been around the block. So also, so I started using uh, allmusic.com and I started just thinking of songs and uh, looking up songs that I thought might be part of this list, of the real list. And I will say that my list does jibe with the list. Well, Wait, it's not even... Ho, ho, ho. What did you just say? Jibe? Jibe. You jibe, turkey. No, that's not the same. So you're telling me when someone says that list doesn't jive, they're mistaken? I would say they are m- mistaken, but you pretty much know what they're saying. But, uh, you know, the, the word is jibe. It's not jibe turkey. It's jive turkey. But jibe is a, its own word. I know how to talk jibe. Excellent. I'm so proud of I you. speak jibe. My number one does jibe with the Guinness Book of World Records number one. Yes. So there you go. So also on my list, David, I had to omit, and I think the Guinness Book of World Records also did this. Hanukkah songs. Christmas songs. Oh, why not Hanukkah? I don't know any Hanukkah songs other than the Adam Sandler one. How about Is that a Hanukkah song? No, it's not. Okay, because I think that's like a wedding thing. Hey, let's not talk about that. All right, I don't know what I'm going to do no, with my to life me. after this show. Let me ask you something. I might just Let me ask you something about your list. into the ocean. What yes. are we doing? Ten? I'm doing ten. So what's your ten? What's number ten? Let's cut to the chase. Oh, you, you're a dick, aren't you? Well, yeah, yeah. Fulfilling, uh, fulfilling my density. Okay. Number 10 of the uh, our list of the top 10 most covered songs. Number 10, coming in at 628 versions, Take the A-Train. Really? What do you know about Take the A-Train? I know it's the one song you never want to play if you're a jazz musician. Why is that? Because you think you're above it. You think you're too hip for Take the A-Train. Oh, is that true? Yeah, you want to play Night Tunisia or something, you know, some hip bebop shit. You don't realize that Take the A-Train is just as valid. Uh, Take the A-Train is a jazz standard by Billy Strayhorn. It's a Duke Ellington number written by Billy Strayhorn, who wrote uh, a large majority of uh, Ellington material. That was the signature tune of the Duke Ellington Orchestra. Uh, It's swinging. Let me tell you that much. It don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. All right, maybe that one's on the list. It is not. Fuck. Those people didn't take that seriously. The title refers to the then new A subway service that runs through New York City, going at that time from eastern Brooklyn on the Fulton Street line, opened in 1936 up into Harlem and northern Manhattan using the 8th Avenue line in Manhattan. Yeah. It opened in 1932. It was composed in 1939 after... Go on. 
after Ellington offered Strayhorn a job in his organization and gave him money to travel from Pittsburgh to New York City. All right, quickly now. Give me the A-train stops from below 4th Street up through Harlem. Do it. Let's go. Bam, bam, bam. You ain't got it? I got it. 26th Street. Nah, man, come on. <laughs> Can- Canal Street, oh. Spring Street, uh, West 4th, uh-huh. 14th Street, 23rd, 34th. Now, this is a local. 34, 42, 59. Now, if you're, if you're a white person, you get off there. Otherwise, you go all the way up to 125th Street because they don't stop in between unless you're on the local, which used to be called the double A or maybe even the, the double C. Who out there remembers the double C? That's some shit. The double C, motherfucker. <laughs> okay. All right, 125, 135, 145, 168. Oh, no, 155, maybe. So I 168, 170, then you're up at uh, George Washington Bridge. It seems like you... Once you get up there, you don't go past that. It seems like you indeed took the A-train quite a bit for you to I remember I know the everything. A-train. All right. Well, I didn't even you. live in the motherfucker when I knew the A-train. <clears throat> what were you doing? Who were you visiting? I was going down to the village to get some whippets. <laughs> oh, okay. So what'd you do? You drive across... Well, how, how? When I was a kid, I'd take a bus... Uh-huh. From my town to the 178th Street. Englewood. And, and then you get on uh, the the home of of uh, suburban hip-hop. And then you get on the uh, the A-train down to, uh, well, at first I would go down, you know, like 72nd Street, the Bandshell. And you go to the Bandshell and you buy some really cheap fucking loose joints and hang out there. Uh-huh. But then we discovered, oh, Washington Square Park where you go. So then we went to the village. Washington Square, what, 4th Street, Bleecker Street, all that shit. You know, but we're talking 14, 15 years old, back when it was fun. That's, that's, did your parents know, what, what did they, your parents think you were doing instead mm. of getting loose joints and whippets? I don't know what they thought I was doing. I guess they thought I was hanging out with my friends in New York City. I don't know. Unbelievable. Shit was the shit back then, though. Not well, like now. So, Take the A Train, pretty popular song. No, this is what I'm saying. Take the A Train is, like I said, if you were tr- learning music in the 1980s, yes, you nine nine out of ten times, this is the songs you wouldn't want to play. Okay. Take the A Train. Yes. Satin Doll, uh, All of Me. Uh huh. All that shit was considered square by people who weren't professionals. I see. Well, fuck them. I'd say. Yeah. Number nine. Are you ready for number nine? Number nine, at just 629 covers, so only just one more. So, let me tell you something. Uh-huh. If we could just go out there and get 750 bands to do a song, we could get in this motherfucker. We should hire 750 bands to record a first house song. Oh, well, would, uh, that would be good. Well, what were you thinking? Oh, Sanford and Son. I was thinking the Sanford and Son theme. I see. Get that shit up there. Oh, all right. Well, uh, okay. Number nine uh, is a an interesting choice, but it is Yesterday by the Beatles. Really? Yesterday. All my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. 
Now, why is that song recorded so much? I have no idea, because it's really not that great. I mean, it's cool for what it is, but... I mean, like, wouldn't you think, like, uh, any other number of songs by them would be recorded more than that? Yep. Perhaps. But nope. Yesterday. Well, that's a Paul McCartney song, if I'm not mistaken. You are not mistaken. It has the cheesiness of Paul. That uh, you can just feel. You can just smell John Lennon in the in the outer booth, lurking and, and sulking at, at Paul McCartney. He actually did say some terrible things about the song. Oh, is that right? Yes. Oh, yeah. You kind of get the feeling like he would just hate it. There's some like across the universe. Uh, what else? How about anything that Paul wrote? I could see John Lennon basically hating Penny Lane. According to biographers of McCartney and the Beatles, McCartney composed the entire melody in a dream one night in his room at the Wimpole Street home of his then-girlfriend Jane Asher and her family. Upon waking, he hurried to a piano and played the tune to avoid forgetting it. Is Jane Asher related to Peter? He and his initial concern, and this might sound familiar was that he had subconsciously plagiarized someone else's work. Keith Partridge. Exactly. Known as crypto, cryptomnesia. Was his girlfriend getting music in her fillings? As he put it, for about a month I went around to people in the music business and asked them whether they had ever heard it before. Three weeks later, the song came out by another artist. Eventually it became like handing something to the police. I thought if no one claimed it after a few weeks then I could have it. That's ridiculous, and I doubt that's true. That's what he says. That's what she said. In 2001, Ian Hammond speculated that McCartney subconsciously based Yesterday on Ray Charles's version of Hoagy Carmichael's Georgia on My Mind. He concluded his article by saying that despite the similarities, Yesterday is a completely original and individual work. So it seemed like in 2001, Ian Hammond uh, engaged in clickbait. I don't think Ian Hammond knows what the fuck he's talking about. Apparently not. Now, I told you, Britney Spears stole Bungalow Bill. Uh, as part of his, oops, I did it again? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now, also, Gordon Lightfoot stole, or is it the other way around, uh, It Ain't Easy by Ringo Starr. For what song? Uh... The good ship fits the good ship oh. fits the Fitzgerald. The ballad of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Right. Okay. The, okay, uh, I can the see that. The verses are the same. I see that. All right. You won't get you won't get much of an argument from me. But that is uh, yesterday, number nine. Yeah, that's a shitty one. Number six or oh. yes, number nine. Now, okay. I might understand that this is going to be the only song that is actually can by a rock band. That is called a spoiler alert. Oh, shit. We'll cut that part out. People might tune away if they think perhaps there's not more popular music on this oh. podcast. Well, how about disco? Number eight. With 680 covers. Yeah. Embraceable You. Wait, how's that go? Embrace me, my sweet embrace. Oh, 
Traceable You is a popular jazz song with music by George Gershwin and lyrics by Ira Gershwin. The Gershwin Brothers. The song what was... What's it called? Moise. The so- What? What's it called? Moise. Moise? What was that movie called? Moise? <laughs> What's Moise? I didn't say Moise. What did you say? I said The Golden Boys. Oh. Is that what that was called? The Golden Boys. The Baker Boys. Boys. The Baker Boys. Golden Girls. I don't like you. Uh, the song was written in 1928 for an unpublished operetta named East is West. I want to publish that motherfucker. It was published in 1930 and included in the Broadway musical Girl Crazy. No, oh, never mind. Where Ginger Rogers performed it in a song and dance routine choreographed by Fred Astaire. Is that a movie? Yes. Billie Holiday's 1944 recording was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2005. Yeah, a little late. Sorry that it was too late. Oh, unless they invented the fucking museum or the Hall of Fame in, in you know the 2000s. Embraceable You. Are you familiar at all with that one? Um... Uh, you know, I've I know the title from seeing it in the real book, but I don't think I've ever really digested it. Oh. Are you ready for number seven? It's a standard. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. Number seven. Yeah. With six hundred and ninety seven covers. Now you can see there's not that many uh differences between these covers. So yeah. in the time that we've put this podcast out, perhaps more you know, there's been a change. Number seven. Stella by Starlight. The song a robin sings through years of endless spring. The murmur of a brook at eventide. The ripples of a nook where two lovers hide. A great Symphonic theme that Stella by starlight and not the dream. My heart and I agree, she's everything a girl could be. Oh, this is the classic. This classic, made classic by Myers Davis. Classic. Stella by Starlight is a popular song by Victor Young that was drawn from thematic material composed for the main title and soundtrack of the 1944 Paramount Pictures film, The Uninvited. Appearing in the film's underscore as well as in source music as an instrumental theme song without lyrics, it was turned over to Ned Washington, who wrote the lyrics for it in 1946. Huh. The title had to be incorporated into the lyrics, which resulted in its unusual placement. The phrase appears about three quarters of the way through the song, rather than at the beginning or the end. At one point in the film, the main character, Rick, Ray Milland, tells Stella, Gail Russell, that he is playing a serenade to Stella by Starlight. What's it called? It's a serenade to Stella by Starlight. You mean this Stella? Mm-hmm. But it's the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me. 
Please go on. Let's see. It says here that uh, it is one of the most popular standards, ranked number 10 by the website jazzstandards.com. So there you go. It's essentially a ballad. Is it a power ballad? No. I see. It's a normal ballad. Have you uh, anything else to say about Stella by Starlight? Oh, I am Miles Davis in the definitive version. That's the definitive? I think so. Covers according to allmusic.com. That's a lot of covers. Round Midnight. Also, Miles Davis. The reason these songs are so popular, Stella and my and Round Midnight, are both because of Miles Davis. Round Midnight, I think, is written by Thelonious, but it's because of Miles Davis that this is so popular. The impact that Miles had on jazz in the '60s is why this is '50s and '60s, but this '60s why this is like this. Round Midnight is a 1944 composition by pianist Thelonious Monk that quickly became a jazz standard and has been recorded by a wide variety of artists. A version recorded by Monk's quintet was added to the Grammy Hall of Fame in 1993. It is the most recorded jazz standard composed by a jazz musician. We'll have to, I, I don't know if that's true. We'll have to continue on with our list. But that would be interesting. I think that might be true. Well, it depends on uh, number five and four. Mm-hmm. The song is sometimes incorrectly called Roundabout Midnight, as Miles Davis used this as the title of his 1957 Columbia Records album, Roundabout Midnight, that included a version based on Dizzy Gillespie's arrangement. It became a signature song for Davis. His performance of it with Monk at the 1955 Newport Jazz Festival, which was heard by producer George Avakian, Avakian, was crucial in securing him a recording contract with Columbia. Thank you. 
word. Yeah, now this is this is jazz musicians, modern musicians would consider this hip. Really? Take the A train, they would consider somewhat square. This would be considered somewhat hip. Well, what's the difference? This is modern, and that is not. This is written. This is a be. This is a pre product of bebop. Right. Okay. Take the A train is a product of swing. Billy Strayhorn and, and Duke Ellington weren't bebop musicians. Thelonious Monk wrote the book on bebop. He's literally the f- father of of chord and harmony in bebop. In, and that's according to Dizzy Gillespie, who other people would say is the father. So Thelonious is the key to all of that modern jazz. Wow, and there's only 15, 20 years between those two songs. 15, uh, yeah, that's maybe true. Less. Yeah, it changed quick. Bud Pal, too, of course, but Thelonious was more of a composer. That's interesting. That's interesting that what the difference between square and hip is of so few years. Um, but you like everything, or are yeah, you? Yeah, I like everything. That? But okay. when I was young, I thought I didn't know. No, I, <clears throat> when you're young, you 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 miss things. Yeah. Well, when I, I learned about fusion fusion jazz before I learned about Dixieland. I and see. And that's fucked up. I see. Because you're missing everything. That's like that's like learning uh, Eruption by Eddie Van Halen before you even know Purple Haze exists. It's literally stupid. Okay. All right, you feel strongly about that, but well, you're saying just, you should go linearly with your yeah, this, and, and the education. stupidity of kids to think that something 60 years old isn't hip just because you don't you're clueless, absolutely clueless. So yeah, to discard take the A train in favor of round midnight when you haven't even digested take the A train or what became take the A train, what became before take the A train, you're really just an assumptuous little punk at that point you motherfuckers yeah it's like it's the, uh, and basically this goes to adam neely he's so removed oh, from God. the reality of jazz that that's uh, just how dare you know if i want a square white guy to teach me about jazz i'll go to fucking pat metheny and and i would never do that <laughs> okay that's some inside baseball for you all and it's uh, way over my you head you but can't teach jazz but you Levin live it you digest it. the music and you shoot heroin. Shut uh, the fuck up. Okay. No, you do not shoot the heroines. Well, I don't want a middle fucking American white dude telling me about jazz. Okay. Go well, fuck yourself. Dave did not enjoy the deep dive into the girl from Ipanema from Adam Neely. Square I enjoyed motherfuckers. it. But he was, he is kind of square, but I just, uh, you know, I am, I am not a perfect person, so I don't quickly judge others, but Dave... Y'all need to smoke some weed, shut the fuck up. Dave is a 10 out of 10 on all things, so he has uh, the right to be as judgmental as Adam he is. Neely, you should kneel down before the fucking gods of jazz and shut the fuck up and humble yourself. All right. Nearly before Coltrane and shut up. That was number six, Round Midnight with 708 covers. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Number five... Are you ready, Dave? Yeah. With 978 covers. That's a lot of covers. Stardust. Oh, man. And now the purple dusk of twilight time steals across the meadows of my heart. High up in the sky, the little stars climb. Always reminding me that we're apart You wander down the lane and far away 
Leaving me a song that will not die Love is now the stardust of yesterday The music of the years gone by Sometimes Why did you say oh man? Because, you know, Stella by Starlight's one thing. With Stardust, how many, t- how many songs about stars are we going to have? The lonely night, dreaming of a song. Stardust is a popular song composed in 1927 by... Well, that's, Ho- that's pre-Bebop. We can't have any of that. By Hoagie Carmichael with lyrics added by Mitchell Parrish. Uh, Hoagie Carmichael, the name in itself sounds racist. In 1929... Carmichael recorded the song originally titled Star Space Dust. Space, meaning there's a space between the two words. How about Starfucker by Rolling Stones? Okay, Stardust, uh, as we know it now, is one word. The song was originally entitled Stardust as two words. Star Is that a code word for angel dust? At the Jeanette Studio in Richmond, Indiana, the song about a song about love. Oh. Played in an idiosyncratic melody in medium tempo, it became an American standard and is one of the most recorded songs of the 20th century. This says with over 15,000 recordings, I have it on good authority from allmusic.com that it is 978. Uh, In 2004, Carmichael's 1927 recording of the song was one of 50 recordings chosen by the Library of Congress to be added to the National Recording Registry. I gotta say, I've never, I never played this song. I never had anyone call this song ever. No one has ever said, oh, let's, do, let's play Stardust. I've never had anyone turn to their pages in a real book and say, let's do this one. Never. Really? Yeah. Well... Because there's so many covers, maybe no one feels like they should play it. I don't know. I'm feeling like this is pre-Bebop, so it's considered square by, you know, musicians who don't know. Well, I did learn something from Adam Neely about that real book, and I think it's a piece of real shit. How about uh, those apples? Adam Neely don't get the, He don't get it. He gets it. They didn't get it. He's obsessing over a, a counterpart on Ipanema. It means everything. Well, then listen to the recording and don't tell anybody. Apparently, according to Adam Neely, in his deep dive, he told me personally about the real book, um, which was put together by students at the Berkeley College of Music, and they would go and they would listen to a recording, and then they would write the notes down. That was part of their thing. Um, They didn't do it right all the time, and they didn't do it right for the girl from Ipanema. Oh, poor girl from Ipanema. Well, you know what, Dave? You're being a dick, but you know what? Those students those students shaped the the way jazz was learned for the next 50 or 60 years. That book, the real book, is used as maybe not a textbook, but definitely a guide. And if you don't have all the right notes in, you're going to lose part of history, yeah, which is what happened with it, the girl from Ipanema. If you don't listen to the music and get recordings and study several recordings and you just think you're going to go by the real book, then you deserve what you get. Well, I'm just saying that Adam Neely did have a, a few good points, and I thought that was very interesting. And uh, we don't know who the, the, the student was who transcribed Girl from Ipanema, but they did it wrong, 
and they're assholes, and they should feel like an asshole right that, the fuck that now. That student was no, none of, the one and only uh-huh. Joe Biden. <laughs> well, there you go. Number four. Since you have nothing more to say about Stardust, is that right? Uh, no, I just don't know enough about it. But uh, let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. Hokey Carmichael. Mm-hmm. That man wrote a lot of songs. He also wrote uh, Georgia on My Mind, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, I think we just read that, that that's what he did. All right. Uh, when we were talking about... Uh, Hokey Carmichael. We were talking about Beatles stealing songs. Stealing songs. But they really didn't. But anyway. Yesterday. All right. That was number five. On to number four. With 1,037 uh, recordings. Revolution number nine by the Beatles. My funny Valentine. I could have sworn you were going to say my Sharona. My funny Valentine. Sweet comic Valentine. You make me smile. funny valentine now that's something i can get behind okay why is that i don't know because well everyone thought that one was hip probably because of miles davis my funny valentine is a show tune from the 1937 richard rogers and lawrence hart musical babes in arms in which it was introduced by former child star mitzi green the song became a popular jazz standard appearing on over 1,300 albums by over 600 artists. Mitzi Green, now that sounds like a good, nice nice girl. Okay, so when it says uh, 1,300 albums and 600 artists, it could be the same recording on five different oh, yeah. albums. Yeah, I was Best seeing of. like, there was a lot, there was, Reissues. there was some songs that was like 34, 34 albums uh, so, say of Elvis had the same version yeah. of Teddy Bear or something. That's so absurd. their their numbers don't their numbers don't jibe with mine. <laughs> but uh, I have it on good authority from AllMusic.com that my funny Valentine appears on one thousand and thirty seven separate albums, uh, separate artists. Yeah, you think it's a love song, but. And just think for a second. My funny Valentine. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like girl comes up to you in school. She says she likes you. And you say, oh, I like you too. You're funny. And she says, no, I don't like you like I'm funny. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, you're my funny Valentine. I don't go home to my real Valentine who I have sex with. In the original play, a character named Billy Smith played by Mitzi Green, sings the song to Valentine Val Lamar, played by Ray Heatherton. The character's name was changed to match the lyric of this song. In the song, Billy pokes fun at some of Valentine's characteristics, but ultimately affirms that he makes her smile and that she doesn't want him to change. Okay, I got it. It's a remake. We're doing a remake of the whole movie, Mm -hmm. starring Bobby V., Bobby Valentine of Mets yeah. coaching fame. Okay. And wherever else doesn't matter, but he's got to be in <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Right. Well, let's get him on the horn, shall we? Yes. Uh, the song- Around the horn. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, 
The song is often sung by a man to a woman, though to say that a woman's looks are laughable is anomalous. Anomalous. I love him. He's a great rapper. He's, uh, the song first hit the charts in 1945, performed by Hal McIntyre with vocals by Ruth Gaylor. Yeah, back in the day when you could be a star with the name Hal McIntyre. Now you got to be Mackle B. Mm, I don't know the or difference there. Timberlake or Timberland. All right. Are now, tell you... me something. Okay. What song was that again? That was my funny Valentine. Yeah, funny you mentioned it. Oh. Now, isn't that a Miles staple? Miles standard? Didn't Miles make that shit what it is? today but isn't everything cool as long as miles says it is miles davis chet baker barbara streisand dinah shore sarah vaughn ricky lee jones ella fitzgerald ricky lee jones get out of here lena horn covered this song uh elvis costello recorded a version chucky's in love with my funny valentine uh, michael buble so oh, it's no. a mm-hmm. oh no bing crosby next thing you're gonna tell me that yanni did a version of it i don't know anything about yanni anymore. i do he juggles Testicles. Right. He's a testicle juggler. You only did you see it, or did you only know it from me talking to you? I saw it. Oh, okay. Now, uh, okay, what's next? Uh, my funny Valentine, one thousand and thirty-seven. Yeah, that's covers. a lot of recording. No, yep. once again, you, you notice a trend here. The ballads get most of the recordings. All right. You know, these motherfuckers can't handle the fast numbers. Well, maybe that'll change with the next one. Atomic Punk. No. Uh, Number three, with 1,059 covers. LMAO. Over the Rainbow. Somewhere. There's a land that I've heard of once in a love LMA over the rainbow. Over the rainbow is a ballad composed by Harold Arlen with lyrics by Yip Harburg. That is not a real person. It was written for the 1939 film The Wizard of Oz. Who names the kid Yip? And was sung by actress Judy Garland in her starring role as Dorothy Gale. Let me ask you something. Uh Uh-huh. You like this song? I love this song. I knew it. I knew you did. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
Why would you ask that? Oh, because I know you like it. I love it, and I love the version you hate. I know you, you like hate. the Hawaiian. You like the Hawaiian guy. I love him. Shitting all over the changes. I say. That's those aren't the chords, dude. Okay. You, know you can hire. Might as well hire Justin Bieber to play that. He can shit on the chords too. He has passed away, I believe. That. Oh, Justin Bieber. Guy. No, the Hawaiian gentleman. <laughs> so I, I do love the song. I love it. I well, love it. I love okay. it. Okay, that's fine. I'm pretty sure he shit on the chords. You, Dave, I don't know many things that you just enjoy you know, purely. Just because you play the chords to feeling all right and sing, uh, you know, oh, somewhere over the rainbow over it doesn't mean you're singing the song. <sighs> you're feeling all right over the rainbow. I don't know what you're saying. Somewhere not too good myself. Uh-huh. Over the rainbow. Let us move to number two. Well, uh, you gotta go to the bathroom, just say it. That's disgusting. That's what I'll say. All right. Number two, with 1,066 covers. Now that is a lot of covers. This is, you really got me. This is not, you really got me. No, no. Instead, it is... Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind. Well, that makes sense. I hear a lot of people doing that. I love Amazing yeah. Grace. Here's the thing about this one. White people and black people can do it. The only people who can't sing this song are Asians. They're simply because they cannot pronounce Grace. David. What? When was the last time you heard an Asian version of Amazing Grace? I do not know. You have know. never heard it. All right. Amazing Grace is a Christian hymn published in 1779 with words written in 1772. Damn, this motherfucker's early. This might be the oldest one on the list. It is the oldest one on the, on the list. Holy shiznagadis. With words written in 1772 by English poet and Anglican clergyman John Newton. You know, when I was a kid, I thought the song was called Amazing Grace. Mm. Amazing Grace. Uh-huh. Uh, Newton wrote the words from personal experience. He had oh, gr- did he? Sorry. Son of a bitch. <laughs> he had grown up without any particular religious conviction and was conscripted into service in the Royal Navy. Yeah, it was like a, a meat eater who become a vegetarian and within the first week you're telling everyone how great it is. After leaving the service, he became involved in the Atlantic slave trade. In 1748, a violent storm battered his vessel off the coast of Count... County Donegal, Ireland. Oh, God. Is this one of those songs where it's actually literal and not metaphorical? So severe. Metaphoric. So severely that he had called out to God for mercy. This moment marked his spiritual conversion, but he continued slave trading until 1754 when he ended his seafaring altogether. He then began studying Christian theology. So there you go. 
You know what? I liked it more when I didn't know who wrote this one. Well, I'm so sorry about that. I wanted it to be a, uh, what's it called? A slave, uh, what is it? A spiritual? Exactly. A Negro spiritual. It's not. It is not. This, this, this was written by a white person? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. A white man. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Hey, take that! This was written by a white person. Was blind, but now I see. Now I see I am white and, and overprivileged. Take from me. Everything I once had is yours. That's a no. That's a no for no, me, dog. No 40 acres, but you can take us what I got. Uh-huh. No, you cannot. It didn't work out very well in South Africa. South Africa. Uh, we call right. it Safrica around here. So, no, no, we do not. Oh. Uh, so number two, 1,066 covers of Amazing and pro- Grace. Possibly the most controversial of the bunch. I don't think so. Oh. Next thing you're going to tell me that, uh, uh, never mind. What was it about what? I don't know. I was making it up and I just couldn't find anything. Uh. Number one, are you ready? Oh, yeah. Really? That band? That no, it's joke. not. Okay. Oh, God. Uh, number, number one, according to allmusic.com, uh, the number one most covered song in all of history, Summertime. Whoa, really? Yep. And what do we know about summertime? It is a ballad. Ladies and gentlemen, people like to cover ballads. Summertime is an aria composed in 1934. Aria, that sounds sexual. Is an aria composed in 1934 by George Gershwin for the 1935 opera Porgy and Bess. Yeah, he said like, uh, Ira, sit this one out. The lyrics are by DuBose Hayward, the Ira, author of the- sit this one out. Me and my love are going to write this bitch. Oh, is that what's happening? Uh, well, I don't know. George Gershwin, Gershwin might have been a little light in the loafers. Oh, and DuBose was his... Uh, I'm just surmising. Oh. The author of... Uh, anyway, he was the author of the novel Porgy, on which the opera was based, although the song is also co-credited to Ira Gershwin. Oh, right? God. Wait a second. Ask Porgy? Wait, where's Bess? The, okay. the opera was Porgy and Bess. The novel was just called Porgy. Was there a novel called Bess? No. Uh, Bess is getting over. 
She's she's riding the Porgy's court uh, coattails. Uh-huh. The song soon became a popular and much recorded jazz standard, described as without doubt one of the finest songs the composer ever wrote. Gershwin's highly evocative writing brilliantly mixes elements of jazz and the song styles of blacks in the Southeast United States from the early 20th century. Yeah, otherwise known as the number one song is cultural appropriation. Composer and lyricist Stephen Sondheim. 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 And lyricist Stephen Sondheim has characterized Hayward's lyrics for Summertime and My Man's Gone Now as the best lyrics in the musical theater. Let me tell you something. My Man's Gone Now as another one Miles Davis made big. Is it? So clearly we have a Miles Davis episode that we need to do because you uh, love him, apparently. Well, it's just one of the biggest forces in the music industry ever. Uh, that's all I'm sorry to say. Well, he might have been an asshole, but the man could change the shit like five times. You don't have to be sorry. You look at any, uh, all the big fusion acts from the 1970s. Every single one of them, they played with Miles before they formed that band. So, there they were, our top ten. Now, Summertime. Yep. I like the version of Summertime by that chick from American Idol. I was just about to bring up Fantasia Fantasia Barino. Tonight she's chosen some Gershwin singing Summertime from Porgy and Bass. It's Fantasia Barino. song and I I mean she might have been the winner prior to that but when she sang that song that was next level that was next level she was feeling that shit some people do summertime uh, up tempo and those people are mistaken I see she did not she uh I think George Benson does an amazing version of summertime if I'm not mistaken 
And it might be up-tempo. So maybe I'm wrong. So uh, I just want to, anyway, allmusic.com. Uh, so what I had to do was, just a quick to quickly tell you, I had to, I looked up songs. So this list is my list from allmusic.com. If you can think of another song that might actually fit in this top 10, please let me know. But it can't, it can't be a music song. 99% literally of these songs are ballads and standards. Yeah. So that means they're slow numbers, mostly coming from Broadway plays, some of them from movies. Yep. Well, see, and back in the day, um, it, the the copyright laws and rules were different. So if a song came out and was popular, everybody tried to record it and get their version in the mix. Well, that's the thing, too. This is pop music. Yeah. This is when pop music was this. Right. That was... You know, let me tell you... Yeah. Uh, you're never going to hear a Katy Perry song uh, 60 years from now like this. It won't this become a standard. Stardust. There's not going to be a Stardust again. No. And it's, it's, yeah, it's a sign of the times in the end, the way the music is distributed, but it's also the lack of, of talent and lack of uh, feel and artistry in the music. I mean, there's a reason why out of the top 10 we have here, ten, nine of them are are from a, an era way gone. Yeah. Good um, song plays itself. I mean, it's admirable that Yesterday has creeped in there, but I personally, I don't think it's a great song. It's okay. Well, it's got good changes. But I just, I, there's Beatles right. songs I like better. Uh, like Michelle? No, actually, I don't like that I one. No, I know you don't like that one. That's why I said that. Uh -huh. How about, uh, uh -huh. I saw her standing there. You like that one, don't you? No. I didn't write that. That's creepy pedophile shit. Unless you also are 17. Uh, you know, I don't even... How about, you're 16, you're beautiful, and you're mine. That's, I think that's Neil Sedaka. That's kind of warped. Yeah. They're, well, those, yeah. I, I guess he's writing it for a teenager, but he must have been 30 he was, when he wrote it. Yeah, it's, it's like Christine 16, you know. It's almost like, uh, yeah, Shandy. <laughs> Stop saying Shandy. Everybody, Shandy. Shandy is not their, I'm telling you, Christine 16 is way creepier than Shandy. Oh, my God. People named their kids Shandy. That's so out there. It is out there. If you there. don't have blonde hair, you can't be Shandy. Brown-haired Shandy got to go. My brown-haired Shandy. Okay. <laughs> Also, we joined this thing that you don't know about. It's called it's called Audrey. It's like a uh, it's like a website for podcasters to kind of connect with other podcasters and maybe promote your show on another show and have them promote their show on your show. Why is it named Audrey? Maybe odd for audio and I thought it was something or... to do with Venus flytraps. It's it's not, but you know I uh, I joined and kind of have not looked into it. What's it do for us? Well, but we got our first cross promotion uh, request. Uh, What's that? From a podcast called Don't Blow Your Pod. Now. 
they their graphic looks a hell of a lot like uh, the Far Out Exchange T-shirt I made for you guys. Uh, if you go to faroutexchange.com and yeah. go to the merch page, uh, one of the Far Out Exchange uh, T-shirt graphics looks 100% like the Don't Blow Your Pod graphic, yeah. which I thought was kind of cool. Um, so this was, uh, hello, Dave and Shecky. I'm writing to see if you'd be interested in swapping ads. We are a weekly scripted sketch comedy podcast that alternates between full and mini episodes, and we're currently on our second season. Uh, here's our pitch deck for your consideration. Uh, cheers, Nathan. Also, on an unrelated note, the cover art for your podcast is my absolute favorite. Um, he's talking about our uh, Marlboro-looking graphic That's nice. logo. Tell me something. Uh, yeah, I'm not done with this, but uh, go are ahead. Are they English? There, um, uh, one person is American, and one person is Argentinian. Uh, I will play you the trailer. I'm Nathan. And I'm Justin. And this is the highlight reel for Don't Blow Your Pod. It's time for an unbelievable fact. The song You've Got a Friend in Me was an autobiographical song about a three-way gone wrong. Just tell me what the email said. It accused us of being too scripted. Scripted? Yes, yeah, scripted. I recently fell in love with a melon. She would always tell me, honey, do this, honey, do that. Please welcome onto the show, Keith Crackersnout. Terry Humperbell. The dog suggester, Brutus Rome. Thank you for having me. Local chef, Sean Krzyzewski. So do you see how this is good and whisked? I call this omelet whiskey business. Oh, God. Okay, turn it off. I try. It's stuck. Justin, turn it off. He's going to know we're using his vocoder. We're thirsty, 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 thirsty. Let's get our mouths all wet. Their podcast is very funny. I listened to a few episodes, and I did not answer this gentleman because... Uh, from listening to their episodes, they I could tell that they lean left. And that's not why I didn't answer them, but I don't think they heard our <laughs> our podcast at all because I don't think they would reach out to us uh, with some of the things Dave likes to say um, and just our conservative-leaning uh, values. So uh, what I wanted to do was give them a shout-out. I am not going to ask them for a shout-out back. Because uh, I would hate for people to be like, what? You're supporting those those lunatics? You need to be canceled. I don't want anything like that happening to them. They seem like very nice uh, guys. Their podcast is very funny. So I am going to give them a shout out. Don't blow your pod. It's uh, on iTunes and wherever else. And they're like 20-minute episodes. And they're, they're written sketches, basically. Uh, the last one they did that I that I heard was uh, they had gone to the Singer Sewing Machine uh, Museum and uh, got into some hijinks there. Good, good, clean fun, mostly. I could go there, but I would be confused because I would think I was at a singer-songwriter museum. And I'd be like, what the fuck? This has nothing to do with anything. Where's James Taylor? I don't understand. Where's Dylan? Yeah, no. Nope. Well, we got a Taylor with thread, but no James Taylor. Boom! Okay, boom is not necessary. Let me ask you something. Uh-huh. Yeah. I uh, all right. Does that say enough? Okay, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for the thanks yeah. for your input on that. You know, Dave. I grew up doing you know, and I was you know so uh, okay. Okay, 
Excellent. Excellent point, David. You know, I used to, you know, I used to do all that stuff. Mm. So don't tell me about left and right, because uh, I used to be a freaking communist. I know about all that shit. I got the Abby Hoffman books. I got the fucking books. I got the books right downstairs. I got books you ain't ever heard of. Thank, thankfully, I've not heard I of I got them. the fucking, I got Jerry Rubin book downstairs. Yeah. You know who he is? I bet you don't even know who he is. Are you talking to me? No, just anyone who's going to say, oh, I don't want to do it with them because they're too far right. I've been left. I know I know about it. Take it easy. But now you're... No, now I'm what? I have a right to do what I want. But let me tell you something. Don't think you know because I forgot stuff that you haven't even learned yet. Are you talking to me? It no, sounds I'm like talking you're... to you left-wing people out there who think you know uh, what's perfectly right. Yes. Uh, well, good luck with that. You know, as you get older, you I think you should evolve into uh, more right thinking. You should. I think when you're younger, you're very me, me, me. Um, and that's... I look, I got to steal this book downstairs, all right? Uh-huh. I got a fucking original copy of Steal This Book. And if you don't know what that is, you're not left. I wonder how much we could get for that. Well, if we could go back in time and get Abby Hoffman to sign it, we might be on to something. I don't think we can do that yet. We don't did just discuss say. time travel, but yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Just keep your, you know, bite your tongue. All right. Anyway, uh, these two kids, uh, youngsters—they're probably in their mid twenties. Blow, don't blow your pod. That's Nathan okay. and uh, I forget the other young kid's name. Funny stuff. All right, that is uh, it for us. We have uh, middleagecoolkids.com that we would uh, love for you to visit. On YouTube, you can look for Middle-Aged Cool Kids or my, it's really my channel, the Same Chick channel, Um, but you can look for both. It will show up. Uh, That's where a lot of Dave's um, interesting and thoughtful reaction videos are. Somewhat thoughtful. I ain't gonna like it unless it's Jamiroquai. That's pretty much what we've decided. Uh, You know, we've got more, we've got a lot more of those to listen to. We've got a lot of people uh, giving you suggestions that we have to get to. But, all right. This has been episode number 89. 89, it's about a week late, and I'm sorry for that, but 89 of the Middle Age Cool Kids Super Terrific Podcast. And we thank you for listening. And we will see you next time, America. Hey, I just found that poster you was looking for. Oh. Thank you, Ish. Okay, goodbye. You don't know nothing, baby.